1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of this world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen? And when we talk about ordinary people, we talk about ourselves. I mean, most of us are vanilla. Uh, that is nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, God adds the sprinkles and the toppings and just makes our life so much more flavorful. But it's so important that we understand that when God reveals himself to us and he begins to show himself alive to us, we're really not the greatest commodity. We're not something that has tremendous value. Uh, what he does is he adds value to us. He makes us the people that he designs and has called us to be. The phrase in verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren. So he's talking, obviously, to the church, is an interesting play on words. In the original language, it means you need to remember or constantly consider your calling. And the reason that is, is some of us feel like we're not very qualified, not called, that we are just vanilla. And because of that, we don't have a lot that God could use. And yet, the apostle says, I want you to really ponder, consider, and think about your calling to the place that you come to the conclusion, as the apostle did, that it wasn't really the wise, the highly intelligent according to the world standard. It wasn't the mighty or the powerful and influential in position or in politics. And it really wasn't those that are noble or those that were born into wealth by birth that God has called. Now, notice it said not many. He didn't say not any. See, God uses anyone who's available, but really he uses ordinary people because they're the ones that will give him the glory. They're the ones that will return the glory to where the glory belongs, and that is unto the Lord. And they're the ones that won't boast or brag, but they'll be the ones that honor and recognize the Lord. So he's calling to the church's remembrance when the Lord became a part of your life. It wasn't because you had such a high IQ or that you were so mighty or powerful or influential. It wasn't because you were born into nobility or you had uh, born into wealth. It was because that God has chosen the foolish things, the weak things and the base things to confound the wise, the mighty and the noble. The foolish things is faith. You know, it seems foolish to an intellectual person that someone would put all of their stock in Jesus. 
for their security, for their peace, for their provision, for their protection, that they would go all in for Jesus. It just doesn't seem to be rational to the intellectual mind. It doesn't make sense. And yet it makes perfect sense to us for one reason, the cross. The cross settled the argument with us and ended the dispute between our intellectual mind and the understanding that God was bringing to us by His Spirit of a need for a Savior. The cross ends all disputes. When you look at the cross, it shows us that God's foolishness is wiser than all the wisdom of men. The foolishness of the cross makes perfect sense to those that are being saved. I understand why I have faith. It's because of the cross and because of the man on the cross. And therefore, it doesn't seem like foolishness or folly or vanity to me. It seems like the best option. The best option for me is the cross and Christ. But to the intellectuals, that's a hard hurdle for them because the carnal mind can't understand the ways of the Spirit. But those that are spiritually minded understand perfectly. And the way that you and I become spiritually minded is we become open to the teaching of the Holy Spirit and to His ministry. Not many noble. So God uses weak things, the weak things of this world, to put to shame the things that are mighty. I I don't know if you've ever been shamed. I've been shamed a few times in my life. Uh, Some of of my own doing, you know, open mouth, insert foot, here comes shame. And so I, I have shamed myself a number of times. And then, potentially, I have been shamed by others. And... It, you know, that's a, that's a, an awkward place to be, you know, to eat humble pie or, uh, to, um, sort of be, you know, have a notch taken out of, out of your belt. But God uses weak things, weak things. He would say empty vessels, broken vessels. Why? To bring the shame to things that are mighty. Someone who is broken before the Lord is not useless. They're useful because God uses cracked pots. Because when we pour out of ourself, he pours in of himself. When we empty ourselves of ourself, now we're in a position to be full of his fullness. And so when we become weak, actually we become mighty and strong. We become a vessel of honor. We become a useful vessel. Uh, a great quote that Catherine Coleman had, and she was used mightily of the Lord in ministry, not only in just exhorting and teaching, but in miracles. And she said, God isn't looking for golden vessels or silver vessels. God is looking for yielded vessels. And when you understand that it's not the mighty or the powerful or the influential that have a position that leverage that position that God uses because therefore they would believe it was because of them that anything good happened. It's through people, ordinary people like you and I that empty ourselves so Christ can fill us. We humble ourselves so he can exalt us. We get low and acknowledge him. 
And it, it's interesting, weak things of the world to put to, to shame the things that are mighty. Uh, isn't it interesting that, that God chose initially, Jesus did, 12 nondescript men, and through those men he poured into them. But they also became yielded or broken vessels in his presence. And we can see that after Jesus' resurrection, many of them confounded and shamed the mighty of their day. An example is in the book of Acts. And there was a man that was laid by the beautiful gate, brought there every day. And it was his his place of vocation. And he would ask for alms or he was a beggar and and since that was a, where a stream of humanity came by every day, it was a it was a good intersection for him to set up shop. And uh, upon one certain day, it was it was Peter and John going into the temple at the hour of prayer, and they said, "Silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have, we give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk." Well, obviously, his feet and his ankle bones received strength, and he leapt and weeped and 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 rejoiced and and worshiped God and gave God glory and then finding you know about this miracle that took place they began to cross examine Peter and Peter made this statement which shows me that he was at a place not where he thought more highly of himself but he was a broken and a weak vessel that confounded and shamed the mighty of the day and they asked him, they said, you know, you know, why in, in, in cross-examining him, he says, why, why are you looking at me as if through my holiness or through some act of my power or my virtue that this man stands before you whole? It has nothing to do with me. It's faith in the name of Jesus. See, a weak vessel understands where their dependency is. It's in the Lord. Joel said, let the weak say, I am strong. And when time, we're the weakest, it's the time where his strength is perfectly working through us. I I felt times in, in my life where my tank was empty. I had nothing else to offer. And it was the beginning of a discovery for me. While I may have felt dry, I could tap into the well of living water and I could be nourished and strengthened. Not many noble. God uses base things. Base things. To bring to nothing the things that are noble. Uh, humble beginnings. Those that maybe don't have uh, a lot to contribute. My mind goes to the widow who put in two mites. And Jesus commended her. And said on this particular day, in this particular offering, she gave more than everyone, listen, put together. Come on. You can add up all of the money that was put in, and it doesn't even begin to measure how much she put in. And sometimes, you know, we have to be reminded of these things. Remember, consider your calling. Every single one of you, Ordinary people is extraordinary because of God. He goes on and he says this in verse 29 and and 30. He says that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him 
So he's, he's, he's not done. You know, I, I think we understand that all glory and honor and praise goes to the Lord and not to us. But he reminds us, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, even though you may look foolish in the eyes of the world because of your faith and the message of the cross. The, the world may mock and, and ridicule you, even if that's the case, even if your weakness and, and your inabilities, your positions that don't seem very influential or powerful, or impacting, even though you may be degraded and dismissed, even potentially devalued because it doesn't look like you're a person that would have an impact in anybody's life. He's going to tell us some things in verse 30 that are very crucial, even though it seems like you made a foolish decision, that becoming weak was actually a point of weakness, and not wisdom, or even your humble beginnings are not having much to offer, contribute financially, or what you might believe is, is even according to abilities. But in Christ, you have become, you have wisdom from God. This wisdom is greater than the wisdom of man. It confounds the wisdom of man. You have what? You have righteousness, which means you have a standing with God. You have sanctification, which means you have a path of becoming more Christ-like. And finally, you have redemption. You have something that God has given unto you, and that was purchased with the blood of Christ. You are the redeemed of the Lord. And so these are things that... The apostle also wanted the church to know. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who become for us, right, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So you're more than just ordinary. In Christ, you're extraordinary. Right? In the flesh, we have nothing to offer. But through the Spirit, we have much to contribute. And it's important for us to remember that even though we live in a small community, surrounded by small communities, we have a big God and we serve a big God. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 17, there's a wonderful story that Jesus is telling about faith and duty. And he sums up this parable or this story in the 10th verse. And it's really talking about, he's talking about faith, the kind of faith that is mustard seed faith or seed faith that, that would cause things to grow and to bear fruit. And he's liking it to a servant in a relationship with his master. And so this servant came in at the end of the day and served his master. And he did what was right and what a servant should do. And then in verse 10, it says, So likewise, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. This is, this is a key to remembering your calling, remembering where you came to Christ. Remember, you know, the position that you were in. Remember 
the place that he pulled you up out of the miry clay. And remember that, that he has chosen you. I am forever thankful that he has not just chosen some, but he's chosen all. Scripture says that many are called, few are chosen. Who are the ones that God chooses? Those that look foolish because of their faith. They live by faith in the Son of God. Their message continues to be Christ and Christ crucified in the cross. They don't get caught up in peripheral arguments. They stay focused. They stay on the main path. And while the world is confound by it, it's the beauty of how God, you know, brings people to himself. God uses, you know, the weak things, the base things. You know, so whatever good, whatever fruit is born from your faith, remember, God gets the glory. We were just his servants. We just did what the master said to do. It didn't originate with us. It originated with him. And there are probably... A lot of us that just need to be encouraged, though, because while I believe not many of us fall into the haughty or high minded or proud category, many of us do suffer with low self-esteem. Sometimes it's even a complex. We feel inferior and we feel less than. So to finish my message this morning I want to remind you of three very important truths. Before I do that, let me make this statement. Scripture admonishes us numerous times not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And and that's a challenge in a culture that is screaming for affirmation and some kind of support. But when we take the road of Christ and we take the form of a servant, then we take the wisest road possible. So here are three things that I want to remind you of to help you, to help me, because I'm hearing this myself. When it comes to overcoming our low self-esteem, or feeling as if we're not qualified, or any complex that we have in regards to God calling us and using us. Number one is, God knows your past. Now, that may not be a newsflash, and that might be, you know, a, a statement that you've heard many times. I want to say it. In enough, in a, in a way that it really registers. So, while we're acquainted with some of our past and some of the things we are not necessarily proud of, or that we would never want to air publicly, or we would never want to be aired publicly, 
I want to remind you, while we are focusing and the enemy is trying to get us to focus on those few days or those few moments in our life where we were probably behaving irrationally, foolishly silly, according to God's ways, God knows all of your past. And somehow we take those few moments, those few choices, those few seasons that we really don't want anyone to think about or remember or to know. And we think that that has hindered God's calling in our life. And if that was the case, then we have to do away with a lot of what Paul just said. It was in Christ that you became new. It was in Christ that you became righteous. It's through Christ that you have a path of maturing and that you have redemption. So the way that God helps us with this battle with the past, skeletons in the closet, ghosts and goblins that try to resurrect in our minds or through conversations is by giving us a new life in Christ. Old things are passed away. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, you're a new creation in Christ. Well, what kind of new creation? A brand new creation. Old things are passed away. Well, it might take a season or two for you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind to where those old things really are in the grave and you've had a funeral service and you've said so long to those things. God sees you as a man and a woman in Christ. He doesn't see your past. He's not reminding you of your past. He's not holding your past against you. There, there's, there's probably, if you had the ability to recall the complete formation of your life and we were to just put it on a scale of what was worth remembering and what was worth forgetting, there's a lot more good that you have done than bad. There's a lot more things that you have done well and correctly and right than what you've done wrong. But the best thing that you ever did was say yes to Jesus. Because that decision caused the scales to tip 100%. And God said, you're chosen. You chose me and I chose you. You call upon me and I'll use you. So God knows our past. All right, number two is God knows your personality. There's a lot of people that don't feel they're called because it doesn't fit their personality profile. And they're so caught up in who they are from a personality standpoint that they forgot that when they became a new person in Christ and old things passed away, that God deposited his nature or the fruit of his spirit into your spirit. And that fruit can grow and mature and multiply, just like any other fruit in the field or the fruit in the garden that you have right now. And it all began with an incorruptible seed when you were born again. That incorruptible seed is now going to germinate and it's going to bring forth the personality that God 
wants you to have. What is that personality and what are its attributes? It's very familiar, but let me remind you. It's his love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And why is that so important for us to be reminded of is because you have a constant companion with you that is communicating the opposite and wants you to behave in ways that are contrary to your new nature in Christ. And it's called the flesh. And in Galatians chapter 5, not only does it give us all the works of the flesh, which are like too numerous to, to name, but it's basically giving place to selfishness and sensuality is when it, what it sums up to be. But to yield and to be completely submitted to the Spirit, God alters your personality. He, he doesn't change when I say, you know, you're not going to become like a, uh, uh, a person that has a, a personality that is is more given towards leadership is still going to have a leadership drive within them, but it's going to be tempered with the character of Christ, and they'll lead according to Christ's likeness. They'll not lead according to the flesh. And then, since God knows your past and has done something about it through the new birth. And God knows your personality and has done something about it through the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the third thing that you need to know if you feel like ordinary is not extraordinary. Is that God knows your potential. Now you may have heard that numerous times just like you know God knows your past. And we may have a flash in the pan moment where we see briefly, momentarily, maybe a path that we could take or something noble that we could do with our life. God sees more than the flash in the pan. God sees the whole path. And God sees the potential that each and every one of us have if we remember our calling. This is... The key to everything that I'm saying this morning is our tendency as people is to forget our calling and to go back and to try to make ourselves look wise. Look intelligent, sound intelligent. To be mighty, to strive after that position or that place of prominence in the public venue so that we would have some affirmation. But if you remember your calling, you won't give place to either of those or those of nobility. Now, I I can speak to this one for a minute and then I'm going to be done. Um. While there was success from a uh, marketplace perspective in my family, uh, I didn't grow up with 
any means. Now, I grew up in a very rich home because of my mother and the love and the support that she gave me, but we didn't have a lot of stuff. And we really didn't have access or means to a lot of things. And throughout the years, the Lord has blessed and added things to me. But I've had to pass many tests throughout the years so that I remember my calling. When I came to Christ, He pulled me out of the miry clay. He put my feet on the rock. If the Lord didn't bless me and provide for me, I wouldn't be blessed. If the, ble- if the Lord didn't add His blessing to what I put my hand to, I wouldn't be blessed. If the Lord wasn't faithful to His Word that when I gave, it would be given unto me, I wouldn't be blessed. If the Lord didn't surround me with favors with a shield, I wouldn't be blessed. So when I remember where I came from, not as a point to, to demise myself, but to magnify the Lord for what He's done, it protects me from taking any of the credit for any of the material blessings that I have. That may help you to understand if you've struggled and you're a person who is very intelligent, remember the one who gave you that brain. Or, if you're the one who has a position of oversight and influence, that you would remember you wouldn't be there unless the Lord promoted you. And to give Him the glory. Let Him who glories, glory in the Lord. So God knows your past, so He gave you a new life in Christ. He knows your personality, so He gave you the fruit of His Spirit. And God knows your potential, and therefore He gives us the power of His Spirit. It's not by might or power, but it's by my spirit. You know, men and women are likened unto a vapor in Scripture. The longevity of our life is likened to a vapor. Um, And the older you get, the more that analogy actually becomes something you can identify with. When you're young and... In the season of your youth, it it seems like that season will last forever. But that season is just that. It's temporal. It's a season. And and that, that season is significant, but so is every other season in our life. But when God likens the life span of a man, he, he likens it to the story of a flower in a field. To the grasses of the fields. And what he's saying is, is it's not, not unimportant. It's, it's not something that doesn't have value, but it was something that was created so that God would get glory. The highest calling that we have as people is that God would be glorified in our lives. In every season and through all seasons of our life, that we would glory, let him who glory glories in the Lord. 
Let him be thankful. So remember your calling. Consider it. Ponder it. And don't allow yourself to get heady or high-minded. Don't, don't believe that, you know, you promoted yourself. You made yourself intelligent. While you may have applied yourself, be like the servant that said to his master, at the end of the day, I just obeyed you. At the end of the day, I'm just an unprofitable servant. I, I couldn't, the profit that I have doesn't come from my ability. It, it comes from my obedience. Yes. And my obedience allowed me to do what I am doing. Ordinary people. That's who God uses. Time does not allow me to go through all of the examples in Scripture, but I believe you're very well acquainted with them. And so when the enemy tells you that you're not qualified, you're not called because of your past, remember, God gave you the new birth. Because of your personality, God gave you the fruit of His Spirit. Because you don't really have potential God gave you the power of His Spirit. So yeah, He might find us and we might be that one scoop of vanilla ice cream in a cone or in a cup. But by the time He gets working in us and through us, we are a banana split deluxe. Amen? And to God be the glory. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.